Welcome to Calvary. My name is Lorianne, and I'm co-leading the marriage retreat with Pastor Barry. Here at Calvary, we want this to be a place where you can come and worship, get to know God, and connect with our community. If you're new here, we can't wait to get to know you. Feel free to message us on social media or text the word hello to 587-323-1199, and we'll respond right back. This is a great first step to joining our church family. We also want you to experience daily personal encounters with God, discipleship, and community. If you want to learn more about our culture here, deepen your relationship with God, and find a small group that you can really connect with, we'd encourage you to talk with one of our volunteers or staff after the service. We want to let you know what's going to happen over this next hour. First, our band is going to lead us in worship that helps us understand who God is and to express our love and affection towards Him. Afterwards, we're going to take some time to let you know about some things going on here at Calvary. Then, one of our pastors will be sharing an encouraging message from our new sermon series. I'm so glad you're here. Good morning, and thank you for joining us on this Good Friday. Uh, so many new faces this morning. So awesome to, that you chose on a Friday morning, a sunny Friday morning, to, to spend it with us and to, to be with us. Um, if it's your first time here, you've never been here before, you know, this morning's a little bit of a uh, more of a minimalist uh, service this morning. Our, our coffee bar isn't open and different things like that. But we'd love to bless you with a, a card so you can come back and get a free specialty drink from us. So if you missed that on the way in, you can go to the welcome desk at the back and pick up one of those. And so good to have families together with us to remember Christ's price that he paid for us. So kids, give me a wave this morning. How many kids do we have in here this morning? Yeah, awesome. So good. So great. So um, I'm Pastor Doug, and this morning we're continuing our Easter series called Where is God? 
And the title of my message is The Promise Crucified. So we know that Good Friday is not really a a day of celebration. That day will come. Easter Sunday is the time we party. Easter Sunday is the time we celebrate. But today is is more a, a somber day of remembrance, of acknowledging, even of, of grieving. And personally, if I, can, if I can be transparent with you this morning, I find it challenging to prepare a, a Good Friday message. I'd far rather be pre- preaching a message of great hope and faith and God's unconditional love. You know, How about putting it this way? How many of you would rather attend a birthday party or a wedding than a funeral? Yeah. Okay, so that, you know, that's kind of how it, that's kind of how it goes. However, however, if we're to understand hope, if we're to understand faith, if we're to understand God's incredible love for us, we first need to grasp and acknowledge all of what Jesus, as God's promise, went through to bring us back into relationship with God. So last Sunday, we saw the promise doubted as it went from garden to garden. We saw Adam in the Garden of Eden, all the way to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Our promise, God's promise, going from being celebrated and cheered and and everybody was so excited about him to being doubted and rejected, tried and convicted, and then beaten and sentenced to death. Today is Good Friday, but what is so good about it? It was the moment 2,000 years ago that Jesus, our promise, dreaded the event he prayed he could be spared from, yet he knew he had to be obedient to it. It had to happen in all of its terrible fulfillment. So continuing the story from last Sunday, Jesus, after being sentenced to death, stripped and whipped, beaten and humiliated, is led to a hill called Golgotha. The promise uh, to, to Golgotha, meaning the place of the skull. And it really is a fittingly scary place of darkness and, and suffering that, that resembled a skull. And it certainly embodied death. And then Jesus is offered a wine and a narcotic type of mixture to drink, to numb the pain, to ease the suffering. And yet Jesus refuses it. He must go through the pain. He must experience the suffering. He must pay the full price for sin. That is demanded by our disobedience, demanded by my willful separation from God. And then it happens, hammer rings out, metal on metal. Jesus is nailed 
to a cross. At 9 a.m. on a Friday, probably very much bright and sunny like today, yet dark and horrific, the soldiers torturously pound the spikes through flesh and bone, tissue and sinew. Mockingly, they throw dice and gamble for his clothes. A sign is placed above his head, which ironically declares and vindicates that he truly was the king. He truly was the promise. And then the cross is stood upright between the crosses of two criminals, yet pointing towards heaven. The horizontal beam symbolizing the spanning of the void, the bridging of the gap between us and God. And the crowd mocks, Satan mocks, tempting him to prove that he is the Son of God, to come down off of the cross. You saved others, why can't you save yourself, they shout. Where is God? On the darkest of days, God is on a cross. Like a common thief, a murderer, a criminal, our promise, the promise for all of mankind our hope, our Messiah, the almighty creator of the universe is beaten, bloodied, hopelessly powerless, hanging on a tree. Blood and sweat, cake and stain his forehead and face. Thorns pierce his scalp. His back cruelly ripped open. His lips cracked and swollen. His legs knotted with cramps. Every nerve in his body on fire and his lungs engulfed in pain as he slowly suffocates. All hope is gone. All but just his very closest follower and family have deserted him. The one who raised the dead, the promised deliverer, the conquering king, who demonstrated authority and power over death, is now facing death himself. The promise, crucified. Where is God? Where is God on this dreadful day? You know, this day was not a surprise. Prophecies in the Old Testament tell of the coming darkness in agonizing and very specific detail. One of the most significant is Psalm 22, where David foretells the crucifixion of the promise. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. 
It continues, scored, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say, so let the Lord rescue him. Let God deliver him, since he delights in God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. You lay me in the dust of death. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All of my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. Isaiah also echoes this by saying, He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised, we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. He was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. So it was clearly prophesied that not only would the promise, our promise, be tested and doubted, the promise would be crucified, yet no one, No one wanted to acknowledge it must happen, that it would happen, that it was happening. The end is near. Rejected and hated by the crowd who just days before loved him and shouted and cheered him, deserted by his closest friends, and now abandoned by God, his very own father. He cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Moments later, he commits his spirit to God and it is done. The promise has been crucified. Our promise hangs dead on the cross. A soldier pierces his side and cleansing blood and water flow. Hellish darkness engulfs the land. The ground trembles and shakes. The veil of the temple is torn in half from heaven to earth. A Roman centurion centurion in horror realizes what they have just done that they have murdered, they have crucified the promise. 
In a moment of shocking clarity, the centurion turns his heart to God in worship and acknowledges that Jesus was the promise. Six fateful hours, one Friday. No ordinary Friday, but a dark and terrible day. The crowd leaves in deep sorrow. Only his closest friends watch as his lifeless body is taken from the cross. Late Friday evening, a secret follower of Jesus risks his life and reputation, risks everything to have Jesus' body wrapped and laid in a tomb. A mass of stone is rolled in front of the grave, sealing in the crucified promise, the dead promise. The Roman soldiers stand guard. The disciples gather together behind closed doors, hiding and trembling in fear. The sun begins to set. Good Friday is over and all hope is gone. Imagine with me being one of Jesus' closest friends and followers at that moment. Your entire world has just fallen apart. Jesus, who did miracles like no one had ever done, who had authority over death and had even raised the dead, was now dead himself. This was not the Messiah, not the Savior, not the dream, not the life that you had in mind. Jesus, the promise, who did all of these things, who you were just shouting and cheering days before, and who you thought would deliver Israel from the Romans, is now laying in a tomb. Life has just taken a crazy turn and totally blindsided you. Everything you hoped for, the future you envisioned, the coming king, all of your dreams and aspirations and expectations have suddenly crumbled around you. That was me five and a half years ago when I was totally unexpectedly laid off from my career of 12 years. Or 11 years ago when I found out my mother had had cancer for a full year before telling her kids or before seeking treatment. For you, it could also be the the loss or the unexpected end of a job or, or the unexpected end of a relationship or suddenly finding yourself on a health journey and you are so disappointed. You might even be feeling embarrassed and ashamed that things have gone much differently than you expected, that you didn't see it coming. And yet, God's plan is so much bigger than the narrow scope we sometimes see. 
We experience and feel the present pain and circumstances, and yet God has a much bigger plan. We might see our immediate hopes and expectations dashed, but yet God is moving behind the scenes. The worship team can go ahead and come back up. Remember, Jesus endured all of the pain and suffering he did so he could relate to my pain and suffering, to your pain and suffering, as well as to all of those around us who are hurting and broken. It was not the nails that held our promise to the cross. It was God's love and Jesus' obedience that held him on the cross. Jesus, our promise, was crucified and buried in a tomb. And yet there was so much more to the story. So much more to come. I'd invite you to be here Easter Sunday for the rest of the story. Let's stand as we prepare to take communion. So this morning, the Lord's Supper isn't this celebration of life this morning. Rather, it's a memorial. It's a sober reflection of the great price that was paid for you, the great price that was paid for me. It's a reminder that Jesus did for us what we could never do ourselves. So with somber and, and serious hearts, I want us to remember everything that he suffered, everything that he experienced for us. And we don't remember it out of guilt and shame, but out of extreme gratitude for the penalty of death that was paid on our behalf. Parents, if you've talked to, to your children about what it means to take communion, they're welcome to take communion with us as well. And if you've never asked nor received God's forgiveness in your life, and you know what, you're not quite ready to do that this morning, that's okay, but you can just stay in, in your seats but if you're completely leaning into what was said today and, and you understand the price Christ paid for you and you're ready to and you're making a decision and a commitment to invite Christ into your heart to follow Jesus, then we would invite you to participate with us. So in just a second, we're going to form two lines uh, for each table. And we would ask that as you come up and you take your bread and you take your juice, that you hold on to it back in your seats, and then we're all going to partake of it together. So while the band plays, let's go ahead and we can come out of our seats and, and take our communion.
you could stand with me, please. 1 Corinthians 11 says, On the night when Judas betrayed him, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks to God for it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take this and eat it. This is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. So if you just hold up your bread this morning. Jesus, we thank you for your body that was beaten and bruised for our healing. Isaiah said that by your stripes we are healed, body, soul, and spirit. We thank you for what you endured on the cross. It was your love, God. It was your obedience, Jesus, that held you on the cross because of our sin. You died, you suffered, and we are so grateful this morning. So grateful for that sacrifice, that penalty that should have been on us, that fell on you instead. So we bless the bread this morning, and we take it together in remembrance of you, Jesus. Let's take it together. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new agreement between God and you that has been established and set in motion by my blood. Do this in remembrance of me whenever you drink it. Jesus, we thank you for your blood that was shed for us, for the complete forgiveness of our sins, the complete remission of our sins. We are so grateful that your blood established a new relationship, restored the, uh, that relationship, but made it better between God and man. And we thank you for it. We bless the juice and we take it together in remembrance of you this morning. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are retelling the message of the Lord's death that he has died for you. Do this until he comes again. Amen. Let's just gratefully worship together. Thank you.